Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. You would mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel record of Matthew. The Gospel record of Matthew and chapter number 25. The Gospel record of Matthew and chapter number 25. We're now on the down-home stretch, the home stretch of our series of the Millennial Kingdom as we've been exploring this future event of the thousand-year reign of the Lord Jesus Christ here on this earth and that we've taken some time in recent messages to explain a little bit more of the nuts and bolts of how the Millennial Kingdom is going to work. We explain the conditions of the earth, how the world is going to be changed and reset to Garden of Eden conditions and what does that look like. We've explained a little bit about the peace and the prosperity. We've explained a little bit more about the music and the rejoicing. We've even explained the elements of the government that Jesus Christ is going to be the head of the government. That underneath him we're going to have David as the regent of that promised land area. We've also witnessed as he is going to have Jesus Christ is going to have people ruling beside him, which is in the midst of what we're speaking about now. In fact, we have a parable that Jesus Christ made in the gospel record of Matthew 25 that is going to give a little bit more of a hint about who is going to rule and reign with him in this millennial kingdom. Notice with me in the gospel record of Matthew chapter 25. The gospel record of Matthew 25, and notice with me, beginning at verse number 14. The gospel record of Matthew 25 and verse 14, the word of God says this, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who has called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey." Then he that had received the five talents went and traded the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he had also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoned with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over few things. 
I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Then he that had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast, that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I soweth not and gather where I strawed, or not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money, money into the exchangers. Then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him that hath ten talents. For every one that hath shall be given and he that hath abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And with this, we're going to cover a parable that the Lord Jesus Christ gave that is often called the parable of the talents. The parable of the talents. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come to you now, we're just asking for your wisdom and for your discernment to open up this passage and to discern it and interpret it correctly, to be able to get the application, to see what you're saying, and to see that what we do here on this earth does matter. Lord, I'm asking that you would just be with us, put your Holy Spirit presence here among us, that you can open up our eyes, that you can open up our ears, ears that we may hear. That you get your own work accomplished through this service today. Fill me with your presence, with your spirit, and you do your own work. And we can trust you in this. And we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the context of Matthew 25, it begins earlier, that Jesus had just walked out of the temple and pronounced judgment upon the temple. The people immediately asked, when shall these things be uh, based off of the prophecy he gave against the temple? What will be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? In fact, notice with me Matthew 24 verse 3. And as he, that's Jesus, sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world. Now Jesus continues to answer this question about end time events. He goes through Matthew 24 and speaks about something called the time of Jacob's trouble, the time of troubles. We would often call it the tribulation period. Remember the purpose of the tribulation period is to bring the Hebrew people back to Jesus' self, that they would realize that Jesus was the Messiah after all. The context continues in Matthew 25, where we have what is often called the kingdom parables. Then it starts off in verse 1 of chapter 25 about the kingdom parables, speaking about the ten virgins. And we've already covered this story. It continues on in the gospel record of Matthew 25, where it speaks about... Um, 
excuse me, the sheep and the goats. And starting in verse number 32, or 31 and um, to the end of the chapter, we have the parable of the sheep and the goats, which we had already covered as well. In the midst of this kingdom parables, we have here, Matthew 25, this time frame where Jesus Christ makes another reference about end time things. If you don't mind, let's explore this parable, the parable of the talents, and let's see what we could glean from this. The first thing here I want to bring your attention is every man is given talent. Every man is given talent. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number 14. Matthew 25 and verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who calleth his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. So we have the scenario in this parable. Remember, this parable is going to be talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, but it's telling it in a story form that we could understand that in this case, you have a man who's going to be traveling in a far country. While he is gone, he is giving his servants some money and he is expecting them to use it wisely to continue his business, to continue to uh, get accomplished what he wants to get accomplished while he is absent. So verse 14, he delivers his goods to those servants. Notice in verse 15, and unto one, one servant, he gave five talents to another two and to another one. Now at this time, we also understand there's a difference. On Sunday night, last Sunday night, we had covered a different parable called the parable of the pounds. In the parable of the pounds, that in that story, that the man gave everyone the same amount. This is a different parable speaking about a little bit of a different thing. So in the other one, everyone was given the same amount. Everyone has the same life to live and that they were supposed to use it for the Lord. And some people worked hard. Some people worked somewhat hard and some people didn't do anything at all. And they had consequences because of that. Here, it is not basing it off of the work we've done, but notice what it has done. Verse 15, and everyone, and to one, he gave five talents to another two and to another one to every man According to his, notice this, several ability. And straightway he took his journey. Notice that phrase, several ability. This is important. What we understand is that each and every one of us have different abilities and different opportunities. And not all of us have the same abilities and the same opportunities. What we're supposed to do is take advantage of the abilities and the opportunities we have. Maybe I could give an example. If you could forgive the personal illustration. There was a time in my younger years when I was healthy, that when I was an assistant to the pastor, that there were times that I could go knock a thousand doors a week. Now, it was an effort and it was something we worked towards, but I was healthy enough to do it. In addition, I was single. I had the time to do it. So I had the ability to do it. I had the time to do it. I was an assistant to the pastor. I wasn't the pastor. You know what that means? I don't have any of the responsibilities the pastor does. So I had the time, the ability, and the availability to do such things. Today, I have some physical limitations. I cannot do that physically anymore. In addition, I'm married. That means... 
my time also means that I also have to take care of my family. They have needs. They need to see me every once in a while. I have to at least look at them face to face. That's good for my family. In addition, I'm now a pastor of a church and with it comes a little bit more responsibilities that have to be taken care of. As much as I would like to go do it, I still have to take care of these other things. Do you make sense? So I now at a different stage in my life have different abilities, different availabilities, different health than what I had later. Does it make sense? All of us have different abilities. All of us have different opportunities. You have different opportunities than I have. You will meet people throughout this next week that I will never come in contact with. You have a different opportunities that I have. You have people that you work with. You have people that you live with. You have family members who I may never ever meet. You have different abilities. You have different opportunities. What we're doing is not having a competition between someone else. I am in a race between my own opportunities and my own abilities. And I'm not tasked to be be, uh, judged off of what you can do. I am now being judged and be evaluated on what I can do and what did I do for the Lord. Does that make sense? So because of this, we see that different people have different talents. Now, we understand that a talent is a monetary measure. It's the idea of how uh, one talent is how much a man can carry. So if you can imagine someone gave me a talent of gold, that's how much gold I can carry. I've got one talent. You say, how much is that? Well, that's pretty much immeasurable. If you could somehow get all the gold you could carry, by the way, gold, when it's compacted, is very, very heavy. I meant you're going to get just a bar or two if you're lucky and straighten your back, get your back brace on. And <laughs> How much is that? That's a lot. One gold bar is worth a lot of money. So we don't have a specific value amount, but it is a uh, idea of a weight measure. It's how much a man can carry. So in this case, someone was able to get five talents. That's a lot. But we understand there was more expected out of that person with five talents. They had different abilities than other people had. They had different opportunities that other people had. May I give an example? When I pastored in Tennessee, I had a man who was weighing very close to 800 pounds. And he went up to me and said, I don't have the ability to go knock doors. We understand that. He says, what can I do? I said, how about this? You take a sheet of paper and handwrite your testimony. And I will get you envelopes and stamps. And here is a phone book. You know, some of you younger people might not know what a phone book is. But a phone book is how we used to keep addresses of everyone in town back in the day. So gave him a phone book and said, why don't you start letter A and just write out your testimony, put an envelope, mail it to that person. And he says, I can do that. And we actually started getting response of people who he mailed his testimony out. You see, he didn't have the same availability and ability that I did, but he was able to do what he could with the ability and talent that he did have. Every single one of us have ability and opportunity. Some of us have different opportunities and abilities, but we all have abilities and opportunities. Are we taking advantage of the ability and the opportunities that we have? That's the principle here. We all have different opportunities, different abilities. Are you using it? So when it came time, notice with me, if you don't mind, verse 16, 
Then he that had received the five talents went and traded the same and made them other five talents. That's pretty good. He had the five talents. He traded. This carries the idea that he worked and he labored. And he received five talents. So he started with five. Now he has ten. And likewise, he that received the two also gained the other two. Now notice, he had also the same percentage of increase. He just had different abilities and different talents. Did that mean that he worked any less? No, he just was able to use the ability that he had wisely and was still able to double that. But he that received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. So the last one, instead of using what the master had given to him, decided he was going to hide it. He was going to bury it and he wasn't going to use it. By the way, that was a lot of work just to hide the thing. And heaven forbid someone go back out and dig it back up. It was available. So we understand that every man is given talent. Every single one of us have been given abilities and opportunities. Notice this, every man must give an account. Every man must give an account. So notice this, verse 19. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh. Now, we know that there is a payday someday. We don't know when Jesus is coming back. People have been waiting for 2,000 years. He could come back before we're done with the service, or he may wait another 50 years. We do not know. This idea of a long time is true. It's a long time. We may be all past and gone, and it may be our grandkids that are now working on the earth before Jesus Christ comes back. Whenever the master comes back, that is when we are going to be judged. And we've already spoken about that, that as soon as the rapture happens, we're going to have what is called the white throne judgment. There, every person who's accepted Christ as their savior is going to stand before Jesus and give an account of their life for their abilities and their opportunities and how well they used it. And they're not going to be judged for their sins, but what they are going to be judged for is their service of what sort it was. This is consistent with what we've already seen and studied before. Notice, if you don't mind, as we continue to go on. So the master ends up coming back. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number 19. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. Meaning he settles account. He judges them. He evaluates. How did you guys do? And so he that received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents, and behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. So notice what this Lord said. His Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Notice what the master said. You are good and you are faithful. That's what we want to hear. Have you been good about the opportunities and abilities that you have? Have you been faithful to use the abilities and the opportunities that you have for the Lord? That's what we're being evaluated. Were, were we good and were we faithful with what God has given to us in our life? Notice as it goes on. His Lord said to him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou have been faithful over a few things. By the way, God hasn't asked us a lot. Have you been faithful in the small thing that God has given to you? If you look at 
your life in the light of eternity. You look at things in the light of the millennial kingdom. You look at things in the light of what Jesus has done. We don't have a lot to offer. Are you using the small amount that you have wisely for his glory, for his honor? Are you using it wisely? Are we being obedient to him? Jesus said, or the master here says, you were faithful over little. I didn't give you a lot and you were faithful of that. But notice this, this generous servant, I will make thee ruler over many things. Many things. Now we believe that we take the Bible literally as much as possible. And so here in this parable, when he says, you've been faithful in a little, now I'm going to put you to be ruler over many things. We believe that this is literal. Why? Because Jesus is going to have the millennial kingdom. And he is not going to administrate it by himself, but he is going to have us, his saints, administrate along with us. How do we know what job we're going to have? God's going to give it to us, but it's based of our faithfulness now to our own abilities and our own opportunities. Are you being faithful with what God has given to you? We don't have a lot to be faithful with, but the things that God has given us to be faithful with, he says, I'm going to be very generous and I'm going to let you to be rulers over all. You see, in the millennial kingdom does not work like heaven. In heaven, God is going to erase all of our memories of the past before. And if you could say what most people think of heaven is that everyone's going to be equal. Okay, we'll give it to you. No problem. And the millennial kingdom... It is not so. Not everything is going to be equal. Why? Because we're still on this earth and Jesus has to rule and reign on this earth. And Jesus only wants to put people in his government that he can trust. Well, that makes sense. If you were a CEO of a company, don't you only want to put people that you could trust to work for you? Well, that makes sense. Isn't ruling for a thousand years a pretty big responsibility? He's only going to put people that he can trust. How does he know he can trust us? Well, can he trust us with the little things? Like being obedient here on this earth. If we are obedient to the opportunities and take advantage of the talents that we had, then Jesus is going to be very generous and say, I'm going to trust you to be ruler over many things. Then notice this. Verse 21. This is important. His Lord said to him, well done done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou has been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Now, this is an important phrase. There are some people who will enjoy the millennial kingdom more than others. The people who were faithful here and now, they're going to enter to the millennial kingdom and they are going to enter and rejoice and enjoy more things than other people. But that's not fair. No one said anything about fair. It is what is just. Jesus is the one who puts just. Are you faithful now? Well, because you are faithful God is going to be able to trust you in the millennial kingdom and you're going to enjoy the millennial kingdom a lot more than others because you were faithful now and God can trust you. God's the one who determines what is just. Notice as it goes on, we have the second guy come up. It says, 
verse 22, and he also that received two talents, so he didn't have as much as the first one. He had different abilities and different opportunities, but he used them wisely and said, Lord, thou deliverest to me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. But he didn't make as much as the other one. That wasn't the goal. He still had the same increase. He was faithful in the talents and the opportunities he had. I'm not in competition with someone else. Am I taking advantage of my own opportunities and my own abilities and using them wisely for the Lord? If I have, then the response is going to be same. Good job. Good job. Well done good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Oh, what a wonderful thing that God has so much for us to enjoy in the millennial kingdom. And because of our faithfulness, we can enjoy those things. We know that in the millennial kingdom, that for the ruler that God has promised us and told us that those positions is that we could be given a crown, 2 uh, Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, a throne, Revelation 3, 21, and a kingdom, Matthew 25, 34, which is in a little bit different. Notice with me in verse 34. Then the king shall say to them on the right hand, Come ye, blessed of my father, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you at the foundation of the world. That's a different parable, but still speaking about the millennial kingdom things, that he has a kingdom that's prepared for us. And so we can enjoy the millennial kingdom. We can be put in charge. God is going to trust us in positions. But there's one more servant here that we want to pay attention to, and that is the wicked servant. The wicked servant. So the last man is now brought to give an account. Notice with me in verse 24. Then he, which had received the one talent, came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man. This idea of hard man carries the idea of strict. And Jesus is strict. He's not the idea that says, well, you do whatever you want. No, he says, there's an expectation for it. Did you do what I expect you to do? Now, just my own side thinking, why was this guy given one talent? Maybe it's because God knew that his abilities and, and opportunities were not going to be used for the Lord. He said, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to give you something small and see if you can do something with it. And he says, when he had received the one talent, or he that received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that thou were a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid. And I went and hid thy talent in the earth. And lo, there thou hast, that is thine. You know what this man had the audacity to do? He had the audacity to blame his master. You know, the reason why I didn't do anything for you is because of you. Because I knew you're strict. You're just too mean. I just didn't want to do anything for you. Okay. <laughs> is that a way to approach? I knew I was supposed to read my Bible, but I just didn't feel like. I, just, I knew you were going to ask me to do something if I read my Bible. They had the audacity, audacity to blame God for the reason why they didn't serve God. I couldn't go to church because, you know, you may ask me to do something. 
He's blaming God, the master, for his lack of service. Well, notice the master is going to answer him in kind. He's going to use his own words. All right, if this is how you say, well, then let's judge you according to this. Now, by the way, wasn't the master very generous to the other ones? They were faithful and little, so God gave them to be ruler of much. We have a generous master. But this guy wouldn't look at the generous master. He just looked, God is so mean and so hard. He's asked me to do too much. I just can't do it. He's looking at the wrong version of God. God is a good God who loves us and wants to give us good gifts. He wants to do so much for us. Isn't it amazing how many times people have a wrong view of God and they miss out on so much because they don't see the great God that we actually have. Notice if you don't mind. So verse 26, his Lord answered and said unto him, thou wicked and slothful servant. Now notice that's pretty hard. Now may I mention right now that this is not an unsaved person that we're talking about. Here we know that the unsaved people are going to be judged for their sins. He's not being judged for his sins. He's being judged for his works. Meaning that he is a servant and because he is saved, because he is a servant of the master, there's an expectation that a servant is supposed to do. And so this isn't judged for sins. This is judged for his lack of service. That means here's someone who's a Christian who did nothing for God. And God called him wicked and slothful, lazy and wicked. You say, wait, 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 this is kind of hard. Is it? What makes someone who decides not to serve God, what makes them wicked? Well, that's a good question. Let's see if the Bible has an answer. Turn with me, if you don't mind, to Proverbs 24. Hold your finger here and let's look. Proverbs 24. What made this man wicked? I mean, he's saved. He's going to heaven. He's realized that he was a sinner and realized he needed God. What made him wicked? Proverbs 24. Proverbs 24. Notice with me in verse 11. Proverbs 24 and verse 11. If thou forbear. That word forbear carries a word picture of crossing your arms and doing nothing. Nope. I'm going to ignore it. I'm going to do nothing. If thou forbear them that are drawn unto death and those that are ready to be slain. So here's the word picture. There is someone who is getting ready to die and the person sees them and sees that there's help for them, but they cross their arms. Nope, not my job. Not what I'm supposed to do. If you could forgive the current event, but I think it's applicable. I'm a police chaplain, so it's fresh in my mind, but not this Friday, but last Friday, we had a little girl who was hit a nine-year-old girl hit by a semi-truck. A tragic accident. She just ran out of her house and didn't have the discipline and just ran out into traffic. Just took off. Let's imagine that someone was there on the sidewalk. They watched this little girl just bounce from her house, oblivious to all the world, and just bounce into traffic. And the guy could see a semi-truck coming. And he could see that this girl's in danger. 
And he said, you know what? Not my problem. Crossed his arms and turned. And that little girl got hit. Wouldn't he be wicked for doing that? Wouldn't he be wicked for not saying nothing? If nothing else, stop. Don't go there. Be careful. Watch out. Shouldn't he have done something? That is forbear. That's what it means. To see someone who's in danger. Now, what are people in danger of? There's a real place called hell. But they don't have to go to that real place called hell. They could be forgiven of their sins because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. No one has to go to that awful place. It's available for whosoever will. And yet, when we see people who are tottering to their doom, we watch them as those that are drawn unto death, those that are ready to be slain. We can see them and cross our arms and say, it's not my problem. I don't want to be involved. I just don't feel like I can. We cross our arms. Then yes, the correct description is wicked. Wicked. That's what Jesus said. They're wicked. What is the business we're supposed to be involved about, by the way? Of telling people about Jesus. Seeking to save that which was lost. It's not the idea of just mowing lawns. Who could watch the nursery? Are we engaged in this act of telling people about Christ? We all have something that we can do for the cause of Christ. Everyone could do something. All of us, you may not be able to speak in public, but can you do something? Can you pass out a track? Can you talk to someone? God gives us all the time divine appointments. It may be that you're at the Walmart line and you want to stay away from the self-cash out thing because they don't give you a W-2 at the end of the year. So you're going to go to a person. And while you're there at the person, you actually have someone behind you. And while the line is there, can you not give the person a track? The person that's pumping uh, at the gas station, you pump your gas and go get a soda. Can you at least pass them out a track? Can you do something? Can you do something? I, have a, I had a young man once. He said, I can't speak. I, I just clam up. But what he goes, every time he went to the doctor's office, he put tracks into all the magazines in the doctor's office. Did that bother me at all? No. But what if they call? Yeah, but they'll call the number on the track, which is my number. I'll deal with them. You don't have to deal with them. Can't you do something? Everyone could do something. When you pay your bill on time, put a track in it. Those bill collectors need to get saved. <laughs> you could do something. When you go eat lunch, you're going to eat lunch somewhere. Some of you are going home. Some of you are going to go eat out. Make sure you have a good testimony. Leave a decent tip, but leave a track there. Witness to them. Can you do something? At the very least, could you at least say, well, I don't feel like doing anything. Can you at least throw in money so we can have more tracks to pass it on? I mean, someone could do something. Everyone could do something. Notice in Proverbs 24, they give an excuse to God too. So, it's almost like a thing. We saw that excuse given in the Luke parable. We see the excuse given in Matthew parable. 
And notice in 24, there's an excuse given. Uh, Proverbs 24, verse 11, just for context again. If thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death and those that are ready to be slain, if thou sayest, behold, we knew it not. I didn't know it was my job. I didn't know that was what I was supposed to do. Well, guess what? You know it now. But even if you didn't, If thou sayest, behold, we knew it not, doth not he that pondereth the hearts consider it? That means that God already knows everything. (laughs) He'll evaluate your thing. If you know Jesus Christ is your personal savior, you know how you got saved. Shouldn't you be grateful enough that you got saved to tell someone else? Do the best you can. I don't know the words to say. Couldn't you try your best? Say, I don't know how to speak well, but I do know that I'm not going to hell anymore because Jesus saved me. Can I tell you the best I know how? I went to church. Someone from church opened up the Bible and showed me from the Bible that I was a sinner. But Jesus died for me and the best I knew how, I accepted God's promise. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Could you at least do that? Everyone has a story to tell. But if thou sayest, behold, we knew it not, doth not he that consider the heart's consider it and he that keepeth thy soul by the way God saved you he's the one who watches for you shall uh doth he not know it and shall not he render to every man according to his works this is exactly what we saw in in uh, the parable of the talents of Matthew 25. This is exactly what we saw in the parable of the pounds in the gospel record of Luke. That we're going to stand before God according to our opportunities and our abilities to warn people, to love on people, to tell them the truth so they don't have to go to that awful place. And we're going to give an account based off of our abilities and our opportunities. Did we take advantage of them? And we can take advantage of them and do what we can. And it's, it may not be much, but the little that I do, Jesus can go, well done, my good and faithful servant. Or he can look at us and say, thou wicked and slothful, lazy servant. You didn't do anything. Why is he wicked? Because people are going to an awful place called hell. and We did nothing to stop them. Nothing to warn them. Notice as it goes down. You said that's bad. It gets worse. Notice if you don't mind. The other two, Jesus said, enter into the joy of the Lord. Notice therefore what it said here. Verse 26. And his Lord answered and said unto him, thou wicked and slothful servant. Matthew 25, 26. Thou knewest that I reap where I soweth not and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money into exchangers. Then at my coming, I should receive my own with usury. He said, at least you could have put it in a bank, put it in a church, invest it, and let my money get something from it. He says, take therefore the talent from him and give it to him. That is 10 talents. That's almost like reverse socialism. You, you, you took it away from him, but that's not fair. He's got 10. You know what? Jesus is running a government. He's putting to those that he can trust. We all know people that we can't trust. We all know people that we work with that, you know, you just get over there and shut up in color. Just stay out of our way so we get stuff done. Verse 29. For 
everyone that hath shall be given, and the he that hath in abundance, but he that from him that hath not shall be taken away even that he hath. Now, just simply, Jesus said that in the judgment seat of Christ, we're going to receive rewards or loss of rewards. Meaning God wants to give rewards to everyone, but we're going to lose out on some of those rewards we could have had because of our lack of faithfulness to God. Then notice in verse 30. Verse 30 is a sense of contention for a lot of people. I can't tell you how many conversations people have had where they've come to my office or they come to have a meeting with me, preachers and stuff. Because verse 30 sounds kind of confusing compared to the thing here. Now remember, we're talking about saved people, not lost people. Verse 30, and cast ye the unprofitable servant. Now we're not talking about a lost person here. Thou shalt cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness where thou shalt be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Normally when we hear that phrase, it's associated with hell and rightfully so. That weeping and gnashing of teeth is a colloquial term. It's an expressive term of their time that shows misery. You mean there are going to be people miserable in the millennial kingdom? According to this, there is. Why? Because they said, listen, stay away. <laughs> if you try to do something, you're just going to mess things up. Just go over there, away from all the things that's going on, and we'll take care of it. Can you imagine for a thousand years to be put in the kiddie table when you're the adult? Just stay away. Just go over there. Isn't that be miserable, especially when you're finding your joy in serving the Lord and you're being put over to the side because you were unfaithful? This is hard. People don't like this expression. They'd like to try to say, well, this guy was cast into hell. He was not cast into hell. He was cast aside in darkness. This outer darkness, isn't that hell? No. Come back tonight and we're going to explain this expression even more. But it has something to do with our redeemed bodies. And it's going to be pretty amazing. Do you know that our redeemed bodies are going to function differently? Those that are faithful, their bodies will function differently than those who are not faithful. Come back tonight and I'll prove it to you from the scriptures. But they're going to be cast aside. Now this is heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Why? Because of his lack of service to the Lord. Now I understand most churches don't preach something like this. Most churches will preach something like this. When we all get to heaven, what a wonderful day it will be. By the way, heaven will be wonderful. But this isn't heaven. This is the millennial kingdom. It's a thousand year pit stop where God is working on this earth to bring the Hebrew people to himself and to deliver the promises to the Hebrew people. We as saved Christians are going to have the privilege of working and reigning with him for a thousand years to help administrate those promises given to the Hebrew people. Then we go to heaven. In the millennial kingdom, Jesus isn't looking for everyone to be equal. He's looking for people he can trust to be working as part of his government. Again, if you had a company, you're not going to go find all the untrustworthy people that you know and put them in charge. You won't have a company very long. Right now, we're in a lifelong job application. Can God trust us? Now, this is hard, but you know what? This is necessary. We need to be told of a reality of this so we can make a decision to follow after God. Understand that our faithfulness matters. Does it matter if I read my Bible? It does. According to this, it does. 
Does it matter that I'm faithful to church? It does. According to this, it does. Why all of those? Why do we come to church? Do we come to church to be entertained? We come to church so we could be encouraged, taught, so we could go tell others. Why do we read our Bible? Because I can't live the Christian life on my own. I need God's direction because I am too stupid to find things on my own. I need God's direction. It does matter. It does matter. It does matter. Does it matter that I'm part of a local church? Yes, because this is how God is working in the world. If you're not part of a local church, you're working outside of God's program. You're not being the faithful servants from being told. For example, if I have owned Pepsi, I don't, but imagine I did. And I had an employee that worked for Coke half of the week. Would that be a benefit to me? No. We want him to be working in the company that he's hired to work in. Make sense? Work in the program in the way that I have things functioning. God works things logically. So this is meant to be an encouragement to us to continue to move forward. To be faithful in the opportunities God gives. All of us have different abilities and different opportunities. All of us in different stages of life. Some of us don't have the health that we used to have anymore. Well, can you be faithful in the health that you have? Can you be faithful in what you have? I want to get to the place that when we go out on Saturday mornings to go door knocking, that we have our crowd that's going out. But I'd love it to have some of the little old ladies who can't go out anymore to be gathered together faithfully and praying as we go out. Don't you think that they would have great rewards for being faithful with what they could? They may not be able to knock doors, but can they pray? Absolutely. You see, everyone has a part they can play. Everyone has something they can do. Everyone can do something with their ability and their opportunities. Every one of us can do something. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.